Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, Santa, you could win in APCO's Cash for Chrissy competition. That's right, APCO Joe. There's 1K to brighten your day. And 1K to give away to a mate for Christmas. APCO's Cash for Chrissy, on now at APCO. Ho, 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 ho. The Sporting Capital with Sam Hargraves on SEN. We didn't get to do Heroes and Villains because there wasn't a show last night. We'll do that tonight, and Sam Duncan's going to join us for his weekly segment to talk all things sport media. Let's crack in. Uh, yes, indeed. Welcome to the Sporting Capital. Wonderful to have your company, however you're finding us, wherever you're finding us. Hope you had as good a day as you possibly can, wherever you've been putting it in, however you've been putting it in. This is the Sporting Capital. Sam Hargraves is my name. one three hundred seven three six seven three six 736 736 is the number to call at any stage on the Harcourts open line. Your move, your Harcourts. For all things real estate, speak to Harcourts. Uh, if you missed the chat with Round 6 NAB Rising Star and Anzac Day medalist Jack Ginneman's dad, Craig, uh, it was on the Maccas run earlier. Uh, My Maccas Rewards has arrived. Uh, earn rewards with every My Maccas run. Um, it's going to be up on the podcast very soon. Uh, a couple of people were texting in that just caught the back end of it and uh, and quite enjoyed it for some other people as well. But we were halfway through the uh, the Maccas run quiz as we were so rudely interrupted by the top of the hour, which is uh, absolutely my fault for not getting to it earlier. Uh, but... Luckily, we've got a fair few people lined up. Uh, start thinking about your Heroes and Villain nominations as well. Uh, we'll do that over the next half hour. Heroes of the Weekend, Villains of the Weekend, all your nominations, one three hundred seven three six seven three six 736 736 or 0433981116 on the temper text. Temper mattress like no other. Let's get back into the quiz. We're up to question two. Uh, the question, Rob, from Eltham is, uh, what year did Fremantle famously defeat Geelong in a qualifying final at Cadinia Park? Um, that was 2013. It was. You have had plenty of time to Google that, uh, so <laughs> I'm glad you got no, the first one up. right. <laughs> as soon as the boat answered it, I called up straight away. Oh, I'm just being a smart you-know-what. Uh, <laughs> which small Ford has kicked the most goals this year? Um, depends who classifies small. Um, only one of two. I'll say Jack Higgins. Oh, bad luck, Rob. Thank you very much for playing, though, mate. Stay on the line. They might, we might get back around to you. Uh, Craig is in Leopold. Craig, which small forwards kicked the most goals this year? Yeah, hey, Sammy. Um, Zach Bailey? Yes, it is Zach Bailey. Uh, just turn your radio down there for me, brother. Nicely done. Uh, the Storm equaled their highest ever score with 70 points on the weekend against the New Zealand Warriors. Which team did they score 70 points against in 2000 when they did it last? 
Sorry, sorry, I was just turning the radio down. That's okay. That's okay. Uh, The Melbourne Storm in the NRL equaled their highest ever score with 70 points last night. Uh, It was against the New Zealand Warriors. Which team did they score 70 points against in 2000? Uh, Canberra Raiders. It's not the Canberra Raiders, but I appreciate you playing, Craig. Uh, Call us any time. Paul's in Moorlebach. G'day, Paul. Good evening. Who did the Storm put 70 points on the board against in 2000? They did it last night against the Warriors. Who did they do it against in 2000? Was it Canterbury? It was not Canterbury. Uh, Thank you for playing. Uh, Ben is in Oakley. Benny, do you know the answer? Uh, Was it uh, St. George? It was St. George. Uh, Last question for you to get the Marvel Stadium corporate suite double pass. True or false? The world's first McCafe was opened in Melbourne. That was true. Yes, it is. Massive round of applause from the thousands of people here in the studio. Uh, ben from Oakley, you are our winner uh, of the Macca's Run quiz. That's just uh, just straddled, just uh, meandered its way into the sporting capital. Mate, congrats. Thank you very much. Uh, it's a pleasure. Stay on the line. JK uh, will get your details. Uh, 1-300-736-736. Let's get stuck into Heroes and Villains, which we normally do on a Monday, but we were off air on Monday. Uh, the Rugby League was on, um, and we brought you that. The Storm were absolutely phenomenal. 60-point win over the New Zealand Warriors. How good are the Storm playing this year? Uh, but let's get into our Heroes and Villains work that we didn't get to do last night, so we'll do it tonight. One three hundred seven three six seven three six. Who are the villains of the weekend? Who are the heroes from a sporting point of view? It's a concept as old as time. Who did you love? Who didn't you love? Jack from Wallen, you can get us started. Hello, mate. Or Josh from Wallen. Hello, Josh. Hey, Sammy. I got two. First of all, the one. Well, I got two villains. One that uh, that crowd, that guy at the rugby that uh, spoke to you in the Anzac Day uh, Anzac Day thing. Um, and the other one's the AFL for not admitting that Harry Mackay and Ben Mackay are still one person. <laughs> oh, that's some sharp stuff, Josh. Um, they've never been seen on the same field together in AFL footy um, in, in a top-level game. So I think you're only right to call into question whether they are indeed uh, the same person. Um, we're, we're still waiting on confirmation about... Uh, actually, I'm just looking at it, Jordan. Harry isn't playing. Uh, well, Ben's suspended from North Melbourne, and Harry is questionable with injury this week. So we're not going to see them playing against each other again. And and, and you're right, Josh. It's, it's, it's only right to start bringing up questions like yours. Yeah. Yeah, I know. It's uh, Barry McKay, isn't it? Oh, Barry. Yeah, no, I think you might be right. Hey, Josh, nicely done from you. Appreciate you calling through. Thank you. Have a good one. 
736 736 So knee soreness for Harry Mackay. He's going to be tested. Um, bad news for Ruckman this round. Brody Grundy, a PCL, is going to miss the next 10 to 12. I thought he was massive yesterday for Collingwood. A lot of lists going around in the last couple of weeks about... Uh, who were the top sort of five ruckmen in the competition. And his name wasn't on several of them that were getting uh, pushed around on some TV shows and radio programs. And I wonder whether, and I don't think he's much for, consu- just, it's just a hunch. I don't know if he, how much footy media he consumes, but I, I reckon he was playing with it with a point to prove. And he was brilliant for the Pies yesterday. Mark Pitnett's been brilliant for the Blues all year. And he has done a PCL as well and ex- is expected to miss the next two to three months. That's really concerning. I mean, we saw um, Carlton against the Suns. Without him, it didn't seem to quite go as smoothly as it has uh, when he has been there for that pretty strong midfield they've got. one three hundred seven three six seven three six. 736 736 I would like to give a hero nomination to the AFL and the way in which the Anzac round gets done. Uh, I think it's just such a brilliant weekend. I do love a lot of the theme weekends. I love Sir Doug Nichols' round. And, and what that does to help us learn more about our Indigenous players and, and their backgrounds and where they come from and, and Indigenous culture. And I really do love Anzac Round. Um, like you may be similar to me, um, my grandfather served in World War Two. He was a rear gunner. That's where he met my grandmother. She was a nurse at the time. Um, and it's, a, it's, a, it's an important day. It's a day of well, I don't think there's as many days. It's one of probably the most historically significant days in our country. It helped define a lot about who we are and what we are. And uh, the way that it gets honoured and uh, the way in which people show their reverence and respect for, for, for the occasion and the role that sport has played, you know, the 1995 Anzac Day clash. And since then, sport's played a really big role in helping reconnect people to the day. I heard Jared Waitley and Crash Craddock speaking about it today that, when they were kids, it didn't quite, it didn't, they didn't quite have the connection to it that they do now. And, and sport does play a great role in, in doing things like that with this round and Sir Doug Nichols round. So I just, yeah, for the AFL, for the players, the clubs and all the fans who embraced it um, with, with the utmost of respect and reverence, uh, a hero nomination. If you haven't been to the Saturday night, I really put that on your bucket list of games to go and see. If you, if you haven't been there to... To, to watch the, the flame get lit um, under darkness at the MCG with people having lit up their phones and, and the last post uh, in the dark with the flame. And it's just so powerful. It's poetic. Um, it's, it's, you really, really do need to get to that game. It's, it's so well done. And, and the Anzac Day game itself is uh, the biggest home and away game of the year. So a hero nomination for, for all involved. Um, one three hundred seven three six seven three six. Another hero nomination has got to be the bags are back. Bags of goals from from Fords, key Fords, small Fords, any Ford. Goal, big bags of goals are back. You know, Ginevan kicked five yesterday uh, for Port Adelaide. Finlayson and Marshall both got five. Mycheck got four yesterday. Waterman got four. Higgins got four. Cameron got seven. Zach Bailey had six. Charlie Cameron had four. Tom Hawkins kicked four as well, but big bags of goals are back, and it is great to see. It's fun to watch. That's the stuff that, I don't know about you, but I love going to a game and love commentating a game when when a forward just gets on. A forward just really starts to feel it, and then it's just not, you know, and everybody sort of buys into that. And whenever they go near the ball, you hear the anticipation rise. Could, could this be another one? 
Uh, it's wonderful to see. one three hundred seven three six seven three six. Heroes and villains uh, on a Tuesday night instead of a Monday. Uh, Steve's in Hurstbridge has got some nominations. G'day, Steve. How's it going? I'm good, mate. You got a hero or a villain? Uh, no, I've, I've got a little bit of lightheartedness. Okay. Um, Hollywood, in the cartoons, they've got Tom and Jerry. Uh, in the movies, they've got Laurel and Hardy and Abbott and Costello. Sydney, well, they've got Mac and Ernie. Oh, do I? Mac. Am I paying that? Mac and Ernie. <laughs> St- and also, also yeah. yes. North Melbourne have got um, Baby Junior Act. They never ever say it properly. It almost always sounds like Baby Junior Act. All right, well, keep an eye out for that. Uh, Luke Davies Uniac, by the way, was the inaugural award winner of the Ivor Warren Smith Award uh, for the best player in the competition with a hyphenated surname. I haven't even done the votes yet this year, Jordan. So I'm going to have to catch up from the six rounds and do that. He was, he was incredibly moved to be the inaugural recipient uh, of that award. Uh, Drew's in Labadon with a hero or a villain. G'day, Drew. Uh, g'day, Sammy. I uh, love your work, mate. Thank you. Um, Always enjoy listening to your your stuff on radio. And uh, no, very cool. Yeah, just to follow up what you were talking about about the Anzac Day game, um, I've long thought of it as you know the, the, probably the greatest moment on the sporting calendar annually in Australia in terms of a touching moment. Mm. Um, and I, I actually was wrapped to to go to the first one I've been to just the way it's worked out yesterday, and um, it did not disappoint at all. Everything about the day it was fantastic. Yep. And um, it is a credit to, to AFL. Back, that goes back to Sheeds, obviously. I think it came up with that concept. But, yeah. Um, they do a great job with the the iconic moments throughout the year, like you said, Doug Nichols, like the big freeze. Um, these sort of things just just elevate a, a little bit above the game. And we love the game, but they just elevate above the game and bring people, draw people in for a different reason. And obviously Anzac Day is huge. And... Um, yeah, it was very special. Yeah, I couldn't agree more, Drew. Great nomination, mate. Uh, thank you for sharing it with us. Uh, Muzz is in Geelong. G'day, Muzz. Hello, how are you? I'm very well. How are you going? Good. My villain is um, the Fremantle Ruckman for putting my Ruckman out for three months. I know he didn't do it deliberately, but... You know, I'm just being... <laughs> you're being, you, you, you're being uh, passionate. You're being yes, yes, parochial. Now, yes. Now, I've got three... Um, the, the praises, first of all, was the, the lovely game last night where the poor old um, Kiwis got smashed 70 to 10. Oh, yeah, it wasn't it a great... Was, mate, yeah, it wasn't was great for the Warriors, was it? To. Yeah. No, the um, call team did a great job. They've had a rough trot, the Warriors. They've been away from home for a long time. But, yeah, that's, oh, yes, that, wasn't a, that wasn't a great performance. And, the, and we take our hat off to the Warriors for keeping the game going. Yep. Um, that, that should be first, you know. Um, Melbourne United for um, getting into the grand final. And I'm, I'm waiting to hear your dulcet tones on Thursday evening. We'll be there, Muzz. The other, we will be there. And the other thing, did you go and buy a brown and a gold jumper today, the, the one you wanted yesterday that I heard you commentating about? Oh, now I've got to do that. Thank you for reminding me. I do want to get that. Or I do want to buy that jumper. The Hawthorne's Anzac Day jumper 
was really well. It's, it's very look. Let's be honest, Muzz. It's very hard to make brown and gold look good. It, they're the most unfortunate I'm team colours in the history of sport. I'm, hang on, <laughs> I'm amazed the lovely Evie's allowing you to buy one. Well, uh, she's uh, a 20 year Collingwood member, and uh, well, I want to know is 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 the baby to be? Oh, this on is... the right foot going to have, have? Hang on, yeah. on the right foot is it going to have a black and white sock? But on the left foot, it'll have a brown and gold sock. You've opened up a can of worms, Mars. Let me tell you that. But let me answer that with this. I, I feel like that's a battle that I've lost. And I, I was really pushing hard on it, Muzz. I was really saying, no, 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 well, you know, let's flip a coin for it. Let's, you know, why, why do you automat- Why does the kid automatically have to barrack for Collingwood? Won't that mean that every other kid that doesn't barrack for Collingwood isn't going to like our kid? You know, all those jokes that we've told over the years. You know, why do we want to deny our kid teeth? All those r- ridiculous jokes. And I well, mean, no offence, Pies supporters. But let me tell you, Muzz, where the beautiful Evie got me was she said, I go to the football with my father every week and my sister and my auntie uh, and my cousin and we go every single week, and now her sister's just had her first, and and so Jack will will uh, so um, Zach will go along to every game when he gets old enough to go. And she got me; she guilt tripped me. She said, "Why would you want our child to be the odd one out every week at the football, not Barry from Collingwood when the rest of the family does, and not be part of our tradition?" So I lost. Well, you know what they think of of, of Hawthorne's jumper, don't you? I don't think I can say it on air. No, you probably can't. You probably no, can't. It's probably got to do mate, with I, some bodily functions. Um, I, I know yes, where you're going. Yes, but, but before I hang up, <laughs> yes, I seriously want to thank you because in the last six or eight weeks, you've educated me on basketball. Uh-huh. Um, I, I just enjoy listening to you. And yesterday, the Sydney Hawthorne game, sorry, mate, I tipped Sydney, so I was wrapped <laughs> That's okay. They deserve six, the win. They were brilliant out, after quarter time. I got six out of nine in the end. Oh, good stuff. Um but the other thing is, the umpires, when they umpire in Perth, all I want them to do is pay the same free kick at each end. Okay. Well, keep an eye on that. You're talking noise of affirmation stuff there, Muzz, that the home team yes, tends well, to get the well, rub of the home green. Well, it's interesting that the that, that poor old um, Wittering got pinged twice for over the shoulder for a free kick, and they got two goals. But Charlie Kernow and... Um, McKay got blocked at least four times. McKay got jumped into twice, which was an unrealistic um, attempt to mark. Yep. And got nothing. Um, the little basketballer got pushed in the back, but the umpire pinged him for holding the ball. Yeah. And that, that's what real. Now, what I understand, mm-hmm. right? Um, Frio deserved the win. But what I don't understand, there are three umpires. They need to go back to school. And the umpires that have just retired that were played 400 games, yep. 300 games, can they please write a new rule book that we all follow that is plain and simple? Yeah, I mean, clarification, Muzza, is the order of the day. Uh, what I would, what, and, I'll, and I haven't seen those, so I'll go back and check them out. I appreciate you bringing to our attention. What I will point out, though, and I don't know if you had a chance to read uh, Carolyn Wilson's article over the weekend, but it is very, very interesting. It, it, we've been speaking a lot about respect for umpires, but Carolyn Wilson's article talking about football's forgotten figures, the umpiring crisis threatening the game. So I wasn't even aware that things were this bad. I've been 
saying for a long time now, so has Dwayne Russell and so many other people, that we have to make the umpires a full-time profession with a home base, home ground, their own facilities, their own pathway, and then go out and promote that to bring people in and say, this is a legitimate career that you could have, not just a side hustle, not just a side gig. No disrespect to the the umpires that do it now because they're all dedicated. Um, But their situation has got so dire that they can only train once a week um, they no longer have access to a gym. And until round three this season, they were banned from using Marvel Stadium, which last year became their new coaching base. Even now, they can't use it in its full capacity. The turf lights and the cables uh, and things like that. So it's a fascinating article. We've heard about the 6,000 umpires short. We've heard a lot about um, standing firm and, and respecting umpires and, and not allowing dissent and, and treating the umpires better. But what we're now being made aware of in, in a brilliant article by Carolyn Wilson is just how poorly we are treating them uh, at the highest level of the game and, and how poorly the AFL is actually treating them and, and how they have been failed at the moment with so little infrastructure, so little support. Um, it's pretty dire. So it, it, it really should be at the top, one of the items at the top of Gil McLaughlin's list to, it would be a legacy piece for him, I would think, if, if not only get the TV rights deal done, not only get that all happening, but if you can fix the umpiring situation from an infrastructure point of view and then from a pathway point of view and make the leap for them to be full-time professional, because I don't care what anyone says, you cannot tell me that dedicating yourself to something full-time doesn't make you better at it. Tell me one thing you do on an ad hoc basis, on a part-time basis, on a casual basis, where you uh, get infinitely better at more so than if you dedicated your full-time professional working life to it. And then I think a lot of the issues that, that fans have with maybe inconsistencies or things like that, I think you would see a lot of those be, be corrected very, very quickly. So the, read that article. Well worth a read. one three hundred seven three six seven three six. Their plight at the moment is a, a, a shameful one. It, it does not reflect well on our game. Uh, we've spoken a lot about how coaches are being really thrown under the bus in terms of everybody being back on full pay uh, except for them. Well, this is just as bad, if not worse, and has been for a while, and we need to take it more seriously. Hey, uh, got to get to a break and come back. Theo, Mark, stay right there. Your heroes and villains up after this. You're listening to The Sporting Capital with Sam Hargraves on SEN. Heroes and villains, Tuesday night because we weren't able to do it last night on a Monday. I've got, I have to throw up my weekly villain nomination uh, again. Sorry, AFL. I did give you a hero nomination for how well you do, uh, Anzac Round. Uh, but there's another villain nomination. It will stand each and every week until Thursday night footy comes back. I don't really care why. I just care. I just, I just want it to change. So, so all the, you know, and we hear about, oh, well, the AFLPA don't like as many five-day breaks. I'm also led to believe that that's not essentially true. But if, from what I have been able to glean, and I did want the AFLPA to come on to talk more about this. They weren't able to come on tonight, which is fine. Um, but it, from what I understand, that there could be just a bit of back and forth. Like, okay, well, we'll do more five-day breaks as long as maybe we can get some rotations back. I think there might be a little bit of toing and froing about that. But none of that really matters to you or to me. Uh, or for the people that love Thursday Night Footy, the millions of people that watch and, and the broadcasters who love it, we just want it back. So sort out what you need to sort out. I don't care if the broadcast hasn't paid for it yet. It wasn't part of the original broadcast deal. Just put it back on because clearly people want it. 
So a villain nomination, again, and it will be a standing villain nomination. Just take it as gospel. one three hundred seven three six seven three six. 736 736 Theo in Willert. Theo, hello, mate. Hey, you Sammy. Yeah, good, thank you. Appreciate you asking. Um, all right, I've got a villain for you. Yes. That's uh, similar to yours. I'm going at the AFL. Right. Because I'll start with the hero, which will link, link into it. I okay. thought the umpires this weekend were heroes. Yes, good stuff. Because 95% of them didn't go the whole hog with this dissent rule, and they took a common sense approach, and guys that put their hands up just asking a question, they let them go. I'm putting the villain as the AFL because last week they came out and I reckon they threw them under the bus saying that everything will be called, everything's this and everything's that. And I think most of the umpires thought, you know what, we're playing with human, we're, we're working with human beings, they're going to make mistakes, so let them go. So there's my hero and villain for the week, mate. Yeah, I, I, what I would add to your hero nomination there is the players too. I mean, I was a bit astounded, Theo, that even ex-players were saying, oh, this is unfair on the players and they shouldn't be asked this and they can't do this. They're, they're adults. They they are the best of the best. They, they don't get there with by being mentally, you know, not being mentally switched on. They 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 like any instruction. They they know how to follow it. So I and 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 they know that it's about the best interest of the team rather than their own ego and and wanting the right to be able to you know and 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 railing against the right to turn around and give an umpire what for. They know that if they give away that fifty, it's to the detriment of their team. So they did brilliantly. The players. The players were fantastic, so they do deserve a hero nomination too. When even some of their own alumni didn't think that they'd be able to do it, which I found astounding. Uh, John's on the road with a hero and villain. G'day, John. Yeah, how are you going? Good, thanks. Well, I actually didn't remember about that. I, was, I, I just was thinking about the umpires you were talking about before. Yep. And I think they've got it. I, I, I think they've made it. And I'm going to sound like a dinosaur. But football used to have one umpire. And one umpire, you could actually, you know, when you were playing, when I was playing, mm. you could pretty much pick up in the first quarter what they were strong on, whether it was holding the ball or incorrect disposal or yep. in the back or scragging. And I think the most frustrating thing is, and I'm not saying it's the umpires, I think because you've got three people umpiring, some are... Some some will want to pay the, the you know the small push in the back, and then the same thing happens down the other end, and it doesn't happen, and they don't pay it. So that's when people get frustrated. I don't think it's so much with the umpires and their decision making. I think they've either got to make exactly the same decision each one, or um, you're never ever going to fix the problem because you've got three different people seeing it differently and calling it differently, even though they're calling what they're seeing and. Nine times out of ten, they'll be right, but it's the one that caused the goal. Or yeah, the fifty-meter penalty away. It was a lot easier to play the game when there was one umpire because you could tell straight away. Yeah, oh shit, he's on hold the ball today. We better make sure we get. And the coaches will tell you. Yeah, so the, look I, out because he's hard on, on I, this. I reckon where it became just too hard to do that, John, and I and I thank you for for ringing up to make the call is as the game got fully professional and as the game got faster and players started covering a lot more kilometres, so too did the umpires need to. I mean, there was 
I mean, they're still running 15Ks a game just under, even though there's three of them. So imagine if there was only one of them. Uh, they'd, be doing, they'd be doing marathons every single game. And, and, and even now, I mean, we know that you know, 15Ks is just as much as the best and sometimes more than what the, 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 the hardest running on baller runs. So like all things, especially late in games, when the fatigue sets in, there's not anything we do better when we're tired other than sleep. So that's one thing that Eddie spoke about in his plan to try and revamp the way that the game's umpired is that the fatigue factor is very real. We see it with players. We see, you know, uh, disposal efficiency drop uh, late in last quarters, especially goal kicking efficiency dropping. And it's already pretty darn low at the moment, goal kicking efficiency. Um, So decision making is impaired with players when they're fatigued. It's the same thing with umpires. You don't do anything better when you're asleep, when you're tired other than sleep. Uh, Appreciate the call, John. Thanks. Great. uh, Some great points made. Mark in Greenvale, hero and a villain, Mark. How are you going, Sammy? I've got got two heroes and a sort of a hero villain. So my heroes first. A hybrid. First, this is not related to AFL. Sure. On the weekend at Lakeside Stadium, um, Australian Little Athletics held their national championships. All the kids that competed there from all the states, you're all legends. And, and what you give and, and what you gave for the weekend and whatever was sensational. Oh, well done, so Mark. That's I just great. Wanted to give a shout out to them. Love it. Um, I wanted to I wanted to give a shout out my team, the Swans, Josh Kennedy. Yeah. Best game of the year. He was fantastic. I actually thought he's struggling. He's not really fitting in the back line. I'm not sure he's going to get to a Josh Pendlebury level, although I'm, I was hoping or whatever from the back line. They threw him into the gut, and he was phenomenal. Yep. And, and what about and, and what I love about him is he is 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 you got it. You know the the, the character of the individual <coughs> when. Not, I don't imagine it'd be easy from a pride. We all have ego. We all have pride. I don't imagine it'd be, pretty, it'd be easy to be. I think he's been the medical sub how many weeks in a row? And for him to carry himself the way that he does and, and to to uh, perform then when he is deployed the way that he does, I just think that speaks volumes not only to how good he is as a player, and he has been one of the best on-ballers of his generation, Josh Kennedy, premiership player as well, but obviously what he is as a, as a teammate uh, and as a captain and a leader, or a, pre, a, few, a previous captain, uh, is first class. So I, I agree with you. What's your last one there, Mark? Okay, so my last one, and this is the hero and villain. Right. My hero, my hero is Darcy Parrish. Right. Because he kills himself in that Essendon game trying to get them up. But my villain is people just talking about 30 possessions at halftime. Do you know what? It takes a team to win AFL football, not one player. Mm-hmm. And it's Darcy Parrish. Oh, the, the phone line's just dropping out on there, Mark. I'm sorry about that, but I get the gist of what you're saying. And look, that is a great example of it. He did have the most possessions in a, in a half this century. Uh, and he did finish up with 40-plus, with but they still lost the game. Uh, and I think, I don't know how many inside 50s are in that as well, but I think it was pretty low. And that's a great conversation piece at the moment. What's a possession worth? What is a possession worth these days? What stats do we really think make a difference? Disposals, I'm less and less inclined to care about. What you do with it, I care about. So the ones that I look for in games, and I'm lucky that I get to speak to the best analysts uh, and experts every week in the commentary box. Inside 50s, not you, Jordan, although you're, you're wonderful. <laughs> no, the analysts, you're a play-by-play like I am. Uh, Inside 50, score involvements, metres gained, contested possessions, centre clearances. 
Th- those are the ones that I think matter. Goal assists as well. But for midfielders, those are the ones I think matter the most. Um, but I'm, I'd love to get your feedback. 0433 98 uh, 11 16 1300 736 uh, 736. We've got to come back uh, on the other side of this. We'll get to a break. And uh, after that, Sam Duncan's going to join us from Holmes Glen. He's our uh, sport media expert. A lot to be discussed in terms of the, uh, the TV rights deal. But a couple more heroes. The Jack Jumpers have to be a hero, don't they, in the NBL? Their first season, they make finals in their very first season. And they had to do it by beating the top of the table Melbourne United at home to force their way in after the Perth Wildcats went down in a nail-biter against the Southeast Melbourne Phoenix. Um, and, and the Perth Wildcats, you know, they don't lose any fans. 35 years in a row in finals. All streaks have to come to an end. Any club would give... You name it, to have a run remotely near to that. Um, but there, the Tassie Jack Jumpers, a hero nomination for them. Uh, Clayton Oliver is the one I want to mention off the back of those disposals. He had 41 touches on the weekend, but he had 22 contested out of those and 10 score involvements in that and off the charts, metres gained. I thought that that's – he is – I reckon Clayton Oliver is the best pure midfielder in the game. So I see Petrarca as a, as a mid-forward. Same with Bontempelli, same with Dusty. But as pure mids – like pure mid. That's the only position he plays, Clayton Oliver. I think he's the, and I'm not really going off on a limb here, but he's the best pure mid in the game, I reckon. Uh, another villain nomination, by the way, the Laureus Sports Awards. Why do we always get shafted by the Laureus Sports Awards? Emma McEwen, shafted. Ash Barty, shafted. Ariane Titmus, shafted. Dylan Alcott, shafted. No respect from the Laureus, but we should boycott the Laureus Sports Award. They give us nothing. So we've had it with them. Uh, and have I got another villain nomination here? Oh, yeah. For those who are blaming Ben Simmons for the Brooklyn Nets losing uh, and being swept by Boston, you've got two of the greatest players of their generation who are in conversations for, you know, I think they're both in the top 75 players ever to play the game. You've got two of them in the Nets team. And you still couldn't beat... You still couldn't beat the Boston Celtics. So to blame Ben Simmons, that's why they lost. What a cop-out. For all the Stephen A. Smiths and whoever's of the world, that Ben Simmons is the reason. Kyrie hasn't played for half the year because he refused to get vaccinated. He abandoned his team for half the games of the season yet, and that's why they only had, they had to play the play-in to make the playoffs, and that, that's why they had to play the Boston Celtics. If he had been there all year, done the right thing by his team, they would have finished much higher. They wouldn't have had to play Boston. They wouldn't have been in this situation. So there's a villain nomination for them. Uh, we'll come back on the other side of this. Sporting Capital, I love heroes and villains. SEN. You're listening to the Sporting Capital with Sam Hargraves on SEN. Uh, wonderful to have you on board for the Sporting Capital. Appreciate all the calls. one 736 on the Harcourt's open line. Your move, your Harcourts, and on the temper tech, 0433981116. Temper, a mattress like no other. Uh, it was great to have uh, Jack Ginneman's dad, Craig, on earlier after he was the Round 6 NAB Rising Star winner and also the uh, Anzac Day medal recipient. Um, he was telling me earlier, I didn't get to go to it, but um, his uh, brother-in-law, who actually coached in under-15s footy at Harcourt, uh, told me that his favourite players when he was growing up were Buddy, 
and Luke Hodge. Those were the posters that he had on the walls. But if you haven't heard Scott Pendlebury talking about Jack Ginneman today, about how hard a worker he is. So there's the perception that he's um, the villain and that he's uh, all about me. But Scott Pendlebury speaking to SEN Breakfast today. Just go and have a listen of him saying just how hard this young man works. Uh, and the pre-season that he put in, he's constantly working on his craft, and that's why he's able to kick, was it five straight that he kicked yesterday? Uh, let's turn our attention to some sports media, and we always, uh, at this time every week, speak to Sam Duncan, course leader of sports degrees at Holmes Glen. Holmes Glen, apply now, start in April, study sports business and media, apply now at Holmes Glen. Sam, it's great to have you with us because it's been uh, a lot talked about. Last week, you and I spoke a little bit about uh, the next round of AFL rights. Well, Sam McClure, uh, has written a story in The Age over the weekend uh, that uh, senior AFL sources have told The Age that there's now a realistic chance that a streaming company will be broadcasting one or more games per week from the two th- from the 2025 season. The rights are up at the end of 2024. You spoke about this last week, that that will be a big, big factor in the next rights deal. What did you make, about, uh, what did you make of Sam's story? G'day, Sam. Uh, Great to be with you. Yeah, it was really interesting, wasn't it? I mean, we did touch on this last week, and it's definitely going to be a watch this space as this all plays out because, you know, I think it's right. I think uh, streaming is going to be a very legitimate part of the next broadcast and streaming rights uh, deal. Now, when they're over there, the head honchos from the AFL are reportedly catching up with uh, Amazon and Paramount and YouTube as well. Um, I think it's really interesting that they're meeting with those players because uh, you know there are connections to back here as well. I mean, Paramount owns Channel 10, um, and they're really interested in in grabbing a hold of some sort of of uh, rights deal and and including AFL in their suite of products. So, uh, you know, it'll be really interesting the way it plays out. But I think we can bet our bottom dollar that the AFL believe the growth in their rights is going to come from digital streaming. We saw that in the TV rights in the story that Sam wrote that uh, at the moment ratings on free to air are down but the the streaming KO rights are taking a, a, a big jump as well. Um, the How do you think this is all going to look at the completion of the rights negotiation? How many rights holders do you think we're going to have from a broadcast point of view? And then I suppose how does that then get portioned off who does what and how it all looks how do you expect all that to unfold Sam well that's going to be fascinating because you know there's a lot of different things at play for the viewer you know a lot of them prefer a one-stop shop like Fox provide if you've got a Foxtel subscription or a KO subscription you've got every game of the round at the moment um, likewise, if, if you've got Channel 7 and Fox, you know, you've got everything you need from an AFL perspective right there. But there is, you know, a necessary evil, if you like, in all of this, and it's money. Um, and, and the AFL, as we've discussed, gets 60, 70, 80% of all their revenues from the media rights. And if they want to include new teams, if the players want more money, if they want to grow the AFLW competition, then simply, you know, you ask yourself, where does the money come? Well, media rights. So they're going to be very happy for more players to come in and, and drive up that price. At the very least, they want to create a bidding war 
okay, where there's lots of interested parties driving things up. I think we're definitely going to see way more um, Thursday night footy. I mean, you've got to monetize your product. And the two games on a Saturday afternoon, the, the one, I mean, we haven't really had it yet this year, but when we don't have the Thursday night or a long weekend game, there's often two games on a Saturday afternoon that start about 1.45 and 2.10. Well, it's no secret neither Seven or Foxtel really want that. In fact, they tried to offload it or, or proper, you know, um, offered it to Channel 10 um, at the beginning of these rights. And Channel 10 said, well, why would we want it? It's really expensive to produce it, and it's a really low-drawing game. So I think we'll pick that game up and put it into Thursday nights, and that's where you might have the streamer. Mm. But then Channel, Channel 7 might say, well, you know, all of a sudden that's now worth more. We want it, or if it's Channel 10 or whoever else. So... Then it's going to be really interesting to see how they divide it. I think we're going to see a lot more uh, Thursday nights. And, and look, I wonder down the down the track, Sam, and not necessarily next year or 2025, but I suspect we're going to see a reintroduction of Monday night footy. Uh, and then who knows? Sometime way down the track, we might be playing footy on every night of the week to maximise the value of the product um, to be as enticing as possible to, to the broadcasters and streamers. Well, I wouldn't mind that at all, Sam. We're speaking to Sam Duncan from Holmes Glen. Apply now. Start in April. Holmes Glen. Study sports business and media. Apply now. And and traditionally, that hasn't worked. But we've seen in other sports around the world that it does. As 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 the public's work, people's working lives are now more flexible. And I think COVID's played a part in that with people being able to work from home. I know kids is an issue for weeknights, but if you start the games early enough, then maybe it wouldn't be. Um, we see those games do rate really well. I want to ask you about, before I let you go, Sam, mega events equaling mega ratings. So in the clutter that is the Australian sporting landscape, and it's fascinating when you look at how many, if you break down how many NFL teams there are as opposed to the population, that that each team has the ability, it, it works out to be like maybe 20 to 30 million around that. If I'm trying to remember, I did this once, that there's there's tens of millions of, of, of people available per team. We don't have that. It, it, we, we've actually probably overpopulated in the sporting landscape. So how important are these mega events like Anzac Day? That got about 915,000 people watching from a metro audience alone, didn't include the regional, didn't include people watching by KO. How important to sporting organisations and, and the AFL are those big marquee moment games? Huge, Sam. I mean, they elevate you above the pack. You've hit the nail on the head with how cluttered our market is. It's the most cluttered sports market in the world, just about. I mean, if you were starting the AFL from scratch tomorrow, just say it didn't exist and someone said, right, we're starting a new competition. Do you really think that whoever was creating it would say, right, let's have nine teams in Melbourne and one just down the road in Geelong? I mean, it wouldn't happen in a million years. I mean, thank God we do for historical and passionate purposes, but it's a weird model. And as a result of that weird model, we have all sorts of imperfections and quirks to try and equalise it and monetise it and make it work. But these events are so important. I mean, the Anzac Day game yesterday rated 20% above 
all other games. So it's a valuable game for Channel 7, for example. It then meant that they won the news, which might sound insignificant to people, but they say the news is the most expensive real estate on TV because it leads into prime time and allows you to advertise all of your other programs. So, I mean, it's cluttered. Uh, and these events um, elevate yep. you above the pact and, and ultimately raise the value of your product. And for the broadcaster, it's happy days. Uh, Got to say goodbye, Sam. We're running up the time, but, mate, always great to chat to you. Good on you, Sam. Catch you later. Sam Duncan, the course leader of sports degrees at Holmes Glen. Holmes Glen apply now. Start in April. Study sports, business and media. Apply now. We'll wrap it up. Time for your last calls on the other side of this. You're listening to The Sporting Capital with Sam Hargraves on SEM. Uh, Jager O'Meara has been charged with forceful front-on contact against Callum Mills uh, during the fourth quarter yesterday. Uh, he can accept a $2,000 sanction with an early plea assessed as careless, low-impact, high contact. Uh, and Buddy Franklin, that uh, making contact with uh, the umpire, Paul uh, Rebeschini, uh, in the third quarter of Monday's match has been assessed. Um, it was the view of the MRO that Franklin's actions did not constitute a reportable offence. No further action was taken. I think that was a real, maybe a little bit of a storm in a teacup moment from the round as well. The the play had stopped and he had taken possession and was actually trying to run around to kick it. The umpire just happened to be there. Uh, Wrong spot, wrong time. Not having a crack at the umpire either. But why that was like, why that people thought, oh, that's a, we could be in trouble there. Nah. Wiser heads have prevailed there. Hey, Paul, I know you've been waiting, but this thing's going to uh, cut out on me in 13 seconds. So, mate, I apologise I couldn't get back to you, but give us a call tomorrow night and we'll have a chat to you then. Thanks for all the calls. Thanks for all the texts. Thank you for your company uh, and your input. Wouldn't be the same without you. Have a great night. Stay safe. Here's some tips for maintaining your Trex deck. Um, occasionally wash it with some soapy water or a pressure cleaner. Trex composite decking is low maintenance and won't fade, splinter or warp. Trex, the world's number one decking brand.